Welcome to Viewpoints with Brenda. I'm your host, Brenda Ntambirwechi, and on this podcast, you'll hear plenty of conversations with African professionals, changemakers, innovators, influencers, and entrepreneurs from all sectors. The end of the last decade brought 5G and with it the promise of faster streaming, quicker uploads, and the ability to communicate across the globe at the speed of hundreds of gigabytes per second. This development has understandably excited internet users around the world as the development of 5G communication systems continues at an accelerated pace globally. Joining me today to discuss 5G and what 5G means for Africa is Pamela Birunji, a senior technology executive with over 15 years of experience in managing and delivering assurance and transformative ICT solutions in telecommunications companies. Presently, Pamela is the Senior Manager, Technology and Strategy and Performance with Zane Group, where she is responsible for developing the technology strategy and roadmap of the group, which comprises of seven countries in Middle East and Africa. She also oversees implementation of network performance systems and 5G service assurance systems across the group. Pamela also discusses what it means to be a Black woman in STEM. So Pamela, before we dive into 5G, you've had quite an illustrious career working on several continents. Tell us a bit about how and where you started your career and how you ended up in Kuwait. Thanks, Brenda. Thanks really for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, It's my first time doing a podcast, so I'm really super excited about our discussion and our conversation. Well, how I started my career, oh my God, in my dreams, I would never have told you that I would end up in Kuwait in my lifetime. But thank God it's been an interesting journey. How I started, it was mostly influenced by my parents steering me into engineering. You know the big three of African parents, doctor, lawyer, and engineer. So mine, I think, zeroed in on the engineering part. But I remember also as a kid, I really liked to tear up things and trying to see how things work. So I naturally followed my dad's push into sciences and math, and I enjoyed them as well. But when I joined university at Makere, I made like a conscious decision at that time to actually major in communications because at that time, the mobile industry in Uganda was just starting. If you remember, that was when Celtel was coming in. And I was really very intrigued and I saw plenty of growth opportunities there. And I remember visiting Celtel actually quite a number of times seeking for internship. And I was lucky enough, eventually I got the internship, which later turned into my first job offer. And I started working immediately, even when I was still at university. I was doing network surveillance, working uh, very late at night from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. and then heading back for my lectures and then going back at night to work. So it was a pretty two years. The last two years of my university were really crazy. That's how I got into telecoms. And eventually I got like the formal job because when I was doing that at university, it was still on a voluntary basis. So I got my formal job. Uh, my job title at, at the beginning was my assistant co-manager. And I was fundamental in building the Celtel network at that time, which is Airtel now. And um, of course, I went through the growth within the company and I ended up being promoted to the head office in Netherlands, responsible for overseeing the 15 African operations in my area of work. That's how I ended up in the Middle East, because during those times, there was a lot of mobile operators expanding their geographical footprint. And uh, MTC, which is Zane now, happened to buy a major stake in Celtel. 
and uh, they moved their head office to Bahrain. So that's how I ended up in Bahrain. And then finally, I find myself in Kuwait. So that's my story of how I've ended up in Kuwait and in telecom uh, so far. That's so interesting, Pam. And just getting into 5G, as an internet user who's experienced 5G, I'm really excited about it. Could you explain what 5G is, why it's so important and why there's so much excitement around it? Every approximately 10 years, there is an evolution in mobile technology and uh, 5G is the newest and next generation mobile technology. And maybe just to give context to the listeners, the first communication network was analog, but there was no numbering of it. So you won't hear much about 1G. But then we went into 2G, which was mostly voice and texting uh, with very limited uh, data capabilities. But it worked at that time, I mean, given the kind of services that we had, if you remember the days of floppy disks and all. But then came 3G. After another 10 years, then we got a little bit of mobile web browsing and making video calls. And then uh, currently we have 4G, which is the most common mobile connectivity network. And that really brought about the change in mobile connectivity and performance with uh, data speeds of up to 300 megabits per second. At the moment, the newest on the block is the 5G. But what makes 5G different is that it's been designed to be really a revolutionary technology in enhancing connectivity speeds. And the difference begins in its implementation compared to the other older technologies. 5G is implemented on a higher frequency bands, and that gives it actually its two magic powers, which is extremely high data rates, like Brenda, you mentioned, where we're talking about 10 gigabits per second, and extremely low latency. We're talking about like less than one millisecond. When I say latency, I mean the lag between when you request for a service to the time you get a response. And these two performance capabilities mean that 5G is expected to enable a number of futuristic services that we hear about a lot, like smart cities, uh, remote diagnosis and remote surgeries. For example, having a surgeon in Japan doing an operation on someone in a small village in Uganda. So those are the kind of things that the 5G is expected to enable. Uh, immersive entertainment, virtual reality and augmented reality are currently a very big use cases of 5G. We have connected autonomous cars, billions of connected devices, which is referred to as the Internet of Things. So all these combined with AI will bring the new age of intelligent connectivity. And as you can see, all the examples I'm talking about are things that lie in different industries, in vertical industries. And that is why there is a lot of excitement with 5G, especially with governments um, when it comes to digital security. But for the regular guys like us, obviously, I mean, the gain in massive improvement in data speeds is just another experience. I mean, you can download a full HD movie in a few seconds or stream it without any freezing like before. Or if you're into virtual reality gaming, it's a whole lot different experience with 5G. So that is why there is a lot of excitement, Brenda, from all different stakeholders, actually. Yeah, I personally am enjoying quicker internet speeds. It's a whole new world. Do you know if any steps are being taken to optimize ICT infrastructure on the African continent for 5G? How soon do you think the entire continent will enjoy the benefits? 
Well, when it comes to Africa and mobile connectivity, yeah, we've always in the past sometimes lagged behind, but I'm sure policymakers and governments recognize the massive economic growth that 5G will bring. However, I haven't had many conversations really at national level concerning 5G. You know, in most cases, discussions are happening in terms of economic growth and investment. It's always centered on energy, tourism, and other areas compared to communications. Although there is a lot of areas where government could actually do a lot to lay the foundation. For example, regulators need to ensure flexibility and affordability in the spectrum access, the deployment of enabling uh, technologies because like fiber or cloud, because 5G is a cloud native technology, so it will be implemented on the cloud. And usually regulators in the past have been very prohibitive of telcos using uh, the full potential of the cloud technologies because of the data privacy concerns. It is the time that government should be discussing with um, mobile operators to see how 5G can be implemented. Even in terms of just the new areas of economic growth at national level, there is plenty of opportunities to plan, for example, to leapfrog the advancement of, um, of areas like agriculture, because those are some of the use cases that have been discussed in 5G, is how to enhance agriculture, e-manufacturing is one other huge area that 5G is expected to have a very big impact. Even the young oil industry, for example. If we start talking about all these technologies, 5G, AI and, I, uh, and IoTs, it would really help uh, us as African advancing these um, manufacturing um, industries with new technologies rather than using the technologies that will be obsolete actually in a, in a few years. So I hope that our ICT ministry, for example, in Uganda, they should be collaborating with the operators right now to test what use cases can be done with 5G in these areas. And, and this would actually give incentive to operators to invest. But now the biggest challenges, of course, for African operators is the cost of investment because uh, building these networks is really capital intensive. Usually oper mobile operators have to fork out like uh, millions of dollars to build just the network infrastructure. And the thing is that the returns are not really that quick, especially with 5G. The business case for 5G at the moment is not there, even in developed countries. Like on a consumer level, there is no killer app or service that can make 5G investment justifiable. And then, of course, in Africa, we have other, other issues like the device availability. It's only recently, according to the GSMA, that um, 4G and 3G mobile broadband overtook 2G. So up until 2019, Africa has been predominantly a 2G market. So now without even the 5G devices being massively available anywhere, so you can imagine how soon they will be coming in Africa. And, and also that means that uh, most of the operators haven't really realized their investments in 4G yet. And 4G at the same time is still very capable of doing everything right now in Africa. So I think the 5G on a consumer level, it will be long-term play, but there are other areas that uh, mobile operators can explore, especially on the enterprise level and at national level. And um, what do you think the impact of 5G, I know we've talked about this a little, but what do you think the impact will be on African businesses in particular? Uh, yeah, you know, one thing I love about technology, it tends, it has this um, ability to be an equalizer in, in very interesting cases, just like maybe the mobile phone 
equalized rural Africa with the rest of the world in terms of communication. So there is actually a huge potential for 5G and even all the other new technologies that are not yet um, massively available, like AI, there is a huge potential for them to be an equalizer for Africa, especially African businesses. The connectivity and the transformative um, nature that uh, 5G will provide, it gives Africa that chance like to leapfrog that traditional value chains of doing business. So Africa is really a budding center for innovative digital services. If you look in fintech, e-health, there is so many business models that are coming up for small businesses. And, and 5G will be like a huge uh, help in terms of uh, putting most of African, even the small businesses online and even giving them that uh, extra push in terms of the B2B businesses, offering cloud solutions as well uh, for Africans to put their businesses on the cloud and be able to operate. It will remove that boundary uh, limitation. And, and the other area where I think other businesses where 5G will be really impactful could be the supply and logistics because this is one of the biggest issues we have in uh, doing business in Africa. So I really hope that 5G will bring some new ways of running the logistics networks to solve this issue. So what's next for telecommunication after 5G? Do you think there's more room for innovation? We've been talking about service innovation in this industry since the internet companies came. Um, there has always been uh, ending the era of being a dump pipe has been like a topic in almost every telecom conference for years, but that hasn't changed much. And the gap keeps growing, especially with the internet companies uh, being very quick in the innovation. So if you look at the basic services that we offer, voice and SMS, SMS is still delivered the same way we started it 25 years ago. It took the likes of Apple to make it texting instant or the likes of WhatsApp to bring voice messaging. The industry itself is banking on 5G right now to be the driver of the fourth industrial revolution. Most of the innovations that are going to come are going to come from the vertical industries, but they will be enabled by the telecom industry. It's going to be the one to drive, for example, the massive adoption of the Internet of Things, uh, cloud computing. Edge computing is very interesting, especially on the device front, because then when uh, all the mobile manufacturers, I'm talking about the devices uh, like the Apple, Samsung and all that, when they start putting the computing power in the mobile itself, that will change a lot of things. For example, the issues we worry about our data being in the cloud or being transferred to another country altogether. So that will be really like something very revolutionary powered by the telecom industry. Uh, telecom is going to be at the forefront, especially the mobile as a, a technology itself is going to be at the forefront of um, many innovations coming. I want to move the conversation back to your career. There's a historically low percentage of Black women in STEM. I just wanted to ask you, as a Black woman in STEM who's advanced quite high in her career, how do you think we can encourage more African women to get into STEM? You know, the issue of uh, women in tech or engineering and STEM in general has been something that I've been very interested in for a very long time, but at then at the same time, I failed to nail exactly where the problem is. And let me tell you why. Because when I was at university, 
our class was about, I think, 48 to 50 students. And the ratio was about 49 to 51. So there was never an imbalance in the class itself. And um, because of this, I really never thought about the issue of gender. And then I got into CELTEL. When I got into CELTEL, <laughs> my first job, my first boss was a woman, a very brilliant woman at that. And I was, I think, the fourth lady on the team. So looking at, back at that, it was never an issue. But when I look at the situation today, I will tell you that it's really a shame that for so many years I've found myself as the only woman in the room. Yes, there is uh, progress that has been made, very uh, slow progress. And it's even worse as a black woman. So I've, I've really felt a kind of to reconcile the state of things at the beginning of my career and now where we need to start really is uh, start at a young age with kids from simple things like differentiating the type of toys that we give to girls. Then many will grow up knowing that there is no reservation in selecting these fields. And so we have to continue encouraging more girls that it's not as hard as it should be. So there is the issue of uh, simplifying the technical language. And I think the other issue, of course, is representation. And why I'm saying representation, because like I mentioned, my first boss was a woman and she was brilliant and she was, you know, like on top of her game. And I remember when I was like mapping out my career, she was always like somewhere there in the picture. So for me, that uh, points to the point of representation. For those of us who are already there, I think we need to do more to encourage more girls to join the area. And I'm sure you've had some great inspiration in your career path and I'd obviously assume that your role as a senior technological officer requires creativity to come up with innovative solutions, you know, in your day-to-day work. So what or who has been your greatest inspiration and where do you find creativity? Yeah, when it comes to who, I mean, I've had a lot of people who have really inspired me and who have supported me over the years. But if I think of one particular person who has had a profound impact on me, that was my first manager, like I already mentioned. Um, This lady was called Charlotte Kaheru, and she really greatly influenced the way I kind of planned out my career path because she was the head of engineering at that time when I joined. She was young in her early 30s. She was technically brilliant, as in she was on another level. She was such a good leader, very hardworking. She actually went on to become the CIO of Barclays, the CEO of InterSwitch East Africa. Right now she's at the World Bank. So she kind of had this uh, impact on me when I was kind of mapping out my career. She really inspired me. But of course I have my dad um, who believed uh, that I would make the greatest engineer in the world. So he kind of always pushed me to be uh, very good, hey, uh, to focus on these subjects and, and make sure that I, I was the engineer that he had dreamt of. And where I get inspiration for my creativity, I would say everyday problems. Uh, one of the questions I really ask myself is, am I solving problems in my work on a day-to-day basis that helps me create something purposeful? This is something that I kind of go in with at work, because I need to know that uh, whatever I'm doing at at work is really adding value. So whenever I have an answer to this question, I know that I'm going to have a very good day. I know that I'm going to come up with something that will be inspirational in my work. And if I don't have, then I'll have to find something at least to, to draw inspiration from. 
I use this in even other areas of my work as well, because uh, I think our problems and problems of other people, we should always find inspiration in those in order to, for us to be better people and even to help the people that are around us. So, and, and the other thing is also uh, on a personal level, like uh, when I'm trying to develop myself, the other thing that I draw inspiration from is really trying to define success for me and not letting other people define that success. For me, that's the feeling of, of knowing of how, how do I feel today? I should be free, giving, fulfilled. So those are the things that kind of drive my creativity to go up. Just uh, give me that inch of knowing that, oh, I'm going to do something today at work that will solve ABCD. Yeah, that is usually the one question, honestly, I draw my creativity from. So Pam, if there was anything that you could change about your career or your industry, what would it be and why? Telecoms is not a very innovative industry, so I really, really wished that we would be so agile in actually pushing for certain technologies like adopting AI in network operations. But um, the speed of adoption of these new technologies and, and being innovative is, is not really as good as, as it should be. I join a lot of tech discussions and groups talking about tech and technology in general. Telecom usually doesn't come up. People will be talking about different technologies, uh, uh, quantum computing, blockchain, AI, uh, crypto. Technologies uh, like 5G, Internet of Things, rarely appear in, in, in these kind of discussions because there is not really much uh, agility in terms of innovation going on. So that is something that I would actually change. Um, if you take, for example, the issue of data privacy, usually we'd like to think that in telecoms, we have a lot of data that we could use to come up with different uh, services, innovative ideas, but the regulators prohibit really telecoms in using that data as freely as, for example, they let the internet companies do. For example, the same group that's on telecom is you won't find it on Facebook or with Twitter or all these other Google internet companies. You won't find the same kind of grip that um, regulators have on telecom. So I wish that is also something that I wish that would change. And then about myself, what would I change about my career? Um, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm saying that I love the industry and I think it's uh, the mobile phone has been one of the most transformative take that we've had. But today there is so much going on in technology that I wish I had just uh, been able to get involved in the development or in learning the other technologies to the same level that I've mastered telecoms, for instance. I mean, I'm talking about uh, all the other technologies like fintech, for example, is a very good uh, area for someone to be uh, really uh, involved in today. Blockchain as well, virtual reality, uh, all these technologies. So the rate at which the other technologies are moving is kind of uh, making me feel that, oh my God, yes, I wish I was, you know, able to get involved much deeper into this. And I, I, I mean, I can and I, I do, but now I have to keep learning all the time which is uh, kind of taxing as you grow older. But I don't think that there is much really I can change. I've had such a good career and I'm really thankful for all the opportunities, for the people uh, that have supported me along the way. And it's been a roller coaster. Well, what an insightful conversation, Pamela. And, uh, you know, thank you for agreeing to come onto the podcast. 
I know I've said this to you offline and in private, but I'm always inspired by you as a phenomenal Black woman in STEM. I've learned so much today. I always wish you the best. And obviously, I mean, we'll keep in touch and see where things go. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brenda. And I'm so glad that, yeah, I've got to be one of the first uh, guests on your podcast. I'm so excited about this. So thank you so much for inviting me. And hopefully, yeah, at some point down the road, we'll have uh, another conversation about another technology. I would be really, really uh, glad to do that. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Viewpoints with Brenda. To keep the conversation going, follow us on Instagram at Viewpoints by BN and follow me on Twitter at Kasabiti. That's K-A-S-A-B-I-I-T-I. To hear more conversations like this, follow the podcast, subscribe, like, and feel free to leave us a rating. See you next time.